Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we have people approaching Jesus once again, and yet their motivation is not driven by a spiritual growth or to strengthen their faith. No, it's driven by blind ambition. Now notice how it begins. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Jesus replied, What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit, one on your right and the other one on your left. Now, essentially what James and John are asking for are positions of power. Now, again, they mistakenly see Jesus as the political or the general Messiah that will usher in a new government, a new political order. And what they want to know is where are they going to be in the pecking order? You know, what position, what office are they going to hold in Jesus' new administration? Basically, what they're doing, they're jockeying for positions of power. Now, in the ancient world, for someone to sit on the left and the right hand of the emperor or the king, those are extremely powerful and influential positions. So James and John are shooting directly for the top. They're not settling for like a middle management position. They want, you know, the second and third in command of the entire country. Now, of course, the other apostles are indignant at that, and they become upset. And Jesus teaches them a powerful lesson. But before that, let's know how to approach Jesus. Now, people approach Jesus in many different ways. James and John through power and ambition. Well, remember the story of great Mary and Martha. You know, Jesus comes over for dinner Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, drinking every word that he's saying, teaching her many different things. She's captured by Jesus. Martha is engaged in this frenzied pace of hospitality. After a while, she becomes so angry and so frustrated at Mary that she goes to Jesus and yells at him and says, tell her to help me. Well, now she's yelling at Jesus. You know, you see so many people in the New Testament approach Jesus in many different ways. I think we do the same thing ourselves. We approach Christ in many different ways ourselves. Now notice how Jesus handles everyone with a great deal of patience. He doesn't become angry. He doesn't become disappointed. In fact, he's very gentle with people. I think he does the same thing with us. No matter how we approach God, whether it's in anger, whether it's in joy, whether it's in disbelief, He's patient with us, and he's very gentle. Now, notice how Jesus responds. He says to them, you have no idea what you're asking for. Well, it's very true. They don't. Jesus realizes that what he's saying is he's referring to his passion death on the cross, and he's telling the apostles that they might have to experience the same thing themselves. That's why he tells James and John, you have no idea what you're really thinking about. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus truly is the king, not just of Israel, but this entire universe. He is truly our king. More importantly, he does wear a crown. It's not made of gold, but instead of thorns. He does reign from a throne, but it's not made of fine linens or jewels or gold. It's made of the cross itself. And so Jesus is exactly the opposite of what the world thinks of when it comes to a Messiah, when it comes to a king. Now, he continues that. Jesus tells the apostles that they are going to have to drink from the same cup of suffering that he has to also. What he's referring to is his passion and death. But he's also telling the apostles that they're going to have to experience suffering too for Jesus as well as for the church, and they will. In fact, if you look at the lives of the the apostles, most of them were martyred in some very gruesome ways. And so they suffered for Christ as well as the church. Now, if you read St. John Chrysostom, St. John will say that Jesus is glorified when he is raised up on the cross. Well, that is so true. But how does the world define glory? In accomplishments, right? You know, they'll say, oh, you know, he made his first million dollars. Well, good for him. He did a great job. Or she, you know, she worked her way up the corporate chain, and now she's the CEO of the company. She's in charge. Good for her. Well, the world essentially sees glory through accomplishments. How does God see glory? Through self-emptying, life of service. You look at Jesus Christ. He basically epitomizes this. Throughout his entire ministry, what did he do? He always put others before himself in self-emptying service. Whether it was preaching, teaching, whether it was healing, performing miracles, it culminated on him sacrificing himself on the cross, just giving himself away in service to others. Well, I think that's what we have to recognize ourselves. There's two real messages that we have to recognize in this gospel. The first is what? The hallmark of discipleship includes service, or what we would refer to as stewardship. Recognizing and putting the needs of others before ourselves. Recognizing that we all have time and talent and prayer and treasure that we do not use for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the faith communities, the parishes we belong to, to strengthen those parishes. But the second thing that we can take from this is in the midst of our service and our stewardship, it may require that we may have to suffer for Christ. Now, when we hear about that, that makes us feel a little uneasy, a little uncomfortable that we have to suffer. Well, as I mentioned before, we bear each other's burdens and we share each other's joys. That's what a faith community, a parish, a local church does. When someone is in need of healing, whether they've experienced the death of a loved one, maybe the unexpected diagnosis, unemployment, well, the parish supports them, helps them out. Well, we bear each other's burdens. And so we make sure that no one bears that burden alone. We do it together. But also we share each other's joys. Now, why is that? It's primarily due to our baptism. At the moment of our baptism, our life was united to the life of Jesus Christ. And therefore, if we truly believe that, then we shouldn't be surprised that at some point in time in our life, we do have to suffer. Jesus suffered for us. Well, now we must suffer for him 
as well as his church. Now, I would argue in so many different ways, we're already suffering for others. Maybe we don't even realize it. I'll give you a great example. Parent and a child. The child wakes up the parent in the middle of the night and tells the parent that they're not feeling well. The child is coming down with the flu. So what does the parent do? Well, they tend to the needs of that child. They stay up all night long tending to that child. They don't sleep one minute throughout that night. Instead, they're constantly tending to the needs of that child, sitting at that child's bedside. Maybe they develop a bad back, whatever it is. Now they are suffering for that child. Parent spends the entire night awake. Maybe they are coming down with the flu themselves, but it doesn't make a difference. They tend to the needs of that child. And so they suffer for that child out of love. You know, another great example is the story of St. Francis of Assisi. Before his conversion to Christianity, St. Francis had a great revulsion of leprosy. The one thing that he feared most in this world was coming down with the disease of leprosy. And so, if he ever saw a leper in the marketplace or on the road, he would immediately run in the opposite direction because he feared the disease and coming down with it. Well, after his conversion, one day he was walking down on the road and he saw a person from a distance approaching him. And as the person came nearer to him, he saw the person was a leper. Now, upon seeing this, all those old fears of fear and anxiety of leprosy, you know, welled up in him. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know if he should run away from this leper or if he should truly embrace the leper in the true, honest means of Jesus Christ. And he did just that. He went over to the leper and he embraced the leper. In fact, he even kissed the leper's hands and then continued on on his way. And as he looked back to see the leper, the leper disappeared. A few days later in prayer, he found out that it was Jesus Christ himself who was that leper. And Christ was teaching St. Francis a powerful lesson that we must essentially enter into the suffering of others. In doing so, we identify with those people. We stand in solidarity with them. And when we do that, we alleviate ever so slightly their suffering. And we ever so slightly give them some compassion and relieve some of their pain. Now, I'm a great example of this myself. Four weeks ago, I had a terrible bike accident and broke my collarbone as well as a few ribs. I had to have surgery. Now, after I was recovering from the surgery, many of my parishioners from both parishes told me about their accidents, how they fell from bikes and horses, even from the roofs of their own homes. And they experienced injuries far worse than mine. But they told me those stories, I think, to enter into my suffering and pain. And they did that to stand in solidarity with me. You know, they knew exactly what I was feeling. They knew exactly what I was thinking. They could identify with my state of suffering and pain. And in doing so, they ever so slightly took away just a little bit of the pain. They ever so slightly gave me encouragement. They told me, you know, Father Dan, you've got to keep up with those exercises. I know how painful they can be, but you got to do them. You're going to feel a lot better if you keep doing them. You know, they prayed for me. You know, they became a source of comfort for me. They stood in solidarity with me. They entered into my suffering. And in doing so, 
they eased it ever so slightly. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is getting at here in the gospel. We as Christians, we have to recognize the hallmark of discipleship truly is service. We put the needs of others before ourselves. And sometimes we're called to suffer. And yet we use that suffering. We use it to benefit others, to identify with others, in order to stand in solidarity with them. Because we have been there. We have had those thoughts and those feelings ourselves. So we know exactly what they're going through. And in doing so, we alleviate ever so slightly some of their pain. And we bring with them some empathy and some compassion. And in doing so, we help them persevere through their suffering. See, when we do that, then not only are we truly disciples of Jesus Christ, but we are also glorified by Christ. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.